So the beast, also called the wickedest man in the world, would actually wreak devastation, not to himself, but to many of those around him, unwilling and unsuspecting, it seems. He had found the manor house called Bowskin to be the perfect place to conduct his dangerous ritual from the book of the sacred magic of Admiraline the Mage. It was located on the shores of Loch Ness, the home of Loch Ness Monster, in the highlands of Scotland. Crowley purchased this ancient hunting lodge called Bolskin, and in this house, worrying supernatural phenomena would occur. Crowley said that he purchased the manor house to carry out the specific Admiraline operation and the ancient summoning ceremony requires long and intense participation. In seclusion, it was a dangerous ritual, for it would invoke angels and spirits, good or bad, and the practitioner would be in direct communication with them. Crowley had spent a very long time looking for a suitable house that would fit his very specific needs for this ritual. He said, a magical house is hard to find. I scoured the country in vain, until he found Bolskin, at which, he says, I settled down at once to get everything in order for the great operation. My chief preoccupation was to prepare for the operation of the sacred magic. The first essential is a house in a more or less secluded situation, he said. There should be a door opening to the north from the room of which you make your oratory outside this door. You construct a terrace covered with fine river sand to observe the footprints. Here, Crowley means supernatural footprints. He said, this ends in a lodge where the spirits congregate. Well, interestingly, before Crowley's time, before the manor house of Boskin was built as a hunting lodge on the shores of Loch Ness, a church once stood there, which was built in 1777. According to local legend, the church caught fire one day during a service, and the whole congregation were trapped inside. They all burnt to death. This terrible tragedy, rumour has it, is one of the reasons why Crowley wanted the house when he purchased it in 1899. The house was built in the 18th century by Archibald Fraser, and it remained in his family until it was purchased by Crowley. In old times, in the cemetery that lay in the grounds there, was a grave watcher's hut. It was put there to prevent body snatchers. The graveyard, even before Crowley, had the reputation for being haunted by witches, and it is said that a local wizard was chased off from the site after being found carrying out rituals in an attempt to reanimate the dead. The cemetery is at the foot of the hill, and linked by tunnel to the house by the cellar. The name Bolskin, according to ancestry records in Gaelic, means the town hanging above the lock and the summit of the furious cascade. Well, it was here that Crowley settled. He, of course, was even more controversial than King of the Witches Alexanders. Crowley's early occult years were spent in the Rosicrucian Order of the Golden Dawn. In the company, of no other than the Dracula author Bran Stoker. Despite being an elite scholar from Cambridge and a first-class mountaineer, was also a debauched rebel rouser and even known to get thrown out of countries. He was highly promiscuous like the King of the Witches, sleeping with both men and women, 
but it was Crowley's whole-hearted embrace of all things dark and diabolical that gave him the reputation of his other nickname, the wickedest man in the world. Despite Crowley writing in his biography that during his time at Bolskin he broke no laws, well, the Scottish Daily Mail once wrote, Crowley's orgiastic ceremonies and sacraments are too disgusting to detail in a family newspaper, but, amidst chanting, sodomizing, and the sacrifice of terrified cats and goats, fatefully, the sorcerer was called away to Paris, and folk believe he never got round to banishing the dreadful forces he had summoned in his house. At Bolskin, during his abnormaline rituals, Crowley was said to have summoned 115 spirits, including Lucifer. Crowley said, The twelve kings and dukes of hell are to be evoked, who must then bind them. During his operation, Crowley claimed to have been in contact with angels of fire, who told him they were at war with other angels, in an effort to stop the squaring of the circle. His abnormaline operation was not a simple one. It took weeks of preparation, including purification. He describes some of his activities during this time in his book, Publication in Class D, being the ritual of the Mark of the Beast, an incantation proper to invoke the energies of the Aeonavorus. It includes the instructions, let the magician, robed and armed to be fit, turn to face Bolskin, that is, the house of the beast 666. Let him turn again to the left and pursue his path as before, projecting the force from Bolskin. Let him raise the wand, trace the mark of the beast and cry. Perform the spiral dance and whirling widdishins. Well, as Crowley spent day and night locked inside his house preparing for his grand ritual, he wrote, These demons and evil forces congregated round me so thickly that they were shutting off the light. There could be no more doubt of the efficiency of the operation. In stark contrast to how terrifying this would be to any of us, for Crowley, he was clearly enjoying it. He said it was a comforting situation. His operation was going well, he believed, and he was delighted. He said, There were numberless physical phenomena for which it is hard to account. While I was preparing the talismans, inscribed in Indian ink, a task which I undertook, in the sunniest room of the house, I had to use artificial light even on the brightest days. It was a darkness which might almost be felt, and the lodge and terrace, moreover, soon became peopled with shadowy shapes, sufficiently substantiated, as a rule, to be almost opaque. The ritual he had to follow came from the book of the Sacred Magic of Abramelin, and the book has many diagrams and sigils of magic words. But the book also implicitly urges, I say unto ye that the beginning of this wisdom is the fear of God and justice. To undertake this operation with the simple intention of using it unto dishonest, impious and wicked ends is neither just nor reasonable. And the ancient book warns that it is absolutely vital to see the entire ritual through to the end. For no man can make a mockery of the Lord with impunity. We are not negotiating with men, but with gods by his holy angels, and with all spirits, both good and evil. Consider then the safety of your person commencing this operation. 
because ye must finish. Well, unfortunately for Crowley, however, midway through his ritual, he was called away to Paris by the head of the Order of the Golden Dawn, MacGregor Mathers, and Crowley did not finish the ritual before leaving. When Crowley first moved into Bolskin to begin the preparations, he had asked a friend to come and assist him in his long weeks of preparation. He said, I'd asked Jones to come and stay with me in view of the dangers. It was obviously the part of prudence to have, if possible, and initiated on the spot. However, Jones could not, or was not willing to come, so he asked another man called Russia, who agreed. But, admits Crowley, before he had been there a month, he found the strain intolerable. I came down to breakfast one morning, no Russia. I asked the butler why he was absent. The man replied, in surprise at my ignorance that Mr. Rusher had taken the early morning boat to Inverness. There was no other explanation. I never saw or heard of him for many years. I got an old Cambridge acquaintance to take Rusher's place, but he too began to show symptoms of fear and panic. Well, when Crowley returned from Paris, he says, On my return ten days later, I found that my protégé had also taken fright fled to London and hidden themselves. He had no luck in keeping even initiated magicians at Bolskin to assist him. They got too scared of the dark fleeting shadows and the ominous claustrophobic sensations of evil pressing in on them. Unlike Crowley, who revelled in it. He says, I invoked the fire angels and spirits in the sixth key, invoking the angels of earth, I obtained wonderful effect. However, the angel treated me with great contempt and was very rude and truthful. While this was proof to him that his preparations were working, it was the people around him who began to suffer. He writes, One day I came back from shooting rabbits on the hill and found a Catholic priest in my study. He had come to tell me that my lodgekeeper, a total abstainer of twenty years, had been raving drunk for days and tried to kill his wife and children. The independent newspaper once wrote, back in the 90s, Crowley and his disciples used drugs, sex and blood sacrifices of goats and cats during debauched rituals. The black magician also took pleasure in the suffering that his sinister practices apparently brought the local villagers. Apparently, the family of Crowley's lodgekeeper Hugh Gillies suffered a series of tragedies. First, his ten-year-old daughter died suddenly at her school desk, and a year later, his fifteen-month-old son died of convulsions on his mother's knee. Such is the reputation of the home of sorcery that, during his three years in residence at the beginning of the twentieth century, the villagers avoided the house at all costs. According to Crowley's own words, one of his housemaids was driven mad by the strange and frightening supernatural phenomenon that began occurring in the house, including hauntings by strange entities. One very odd incident is the story of a local butcher who accidentally cut off his own hand with a meat cleaver after reading a note that Crowley had left for him. Also, a workman hired by Crowley apparently went mad and tried to murder him. 
Paul Kelby, for the Observer newspaper, wrote, he tried to smother the Highlands in black magic by coaxing out the forces of evil. The estate has been linked to a number of incidents over the years, including at least two violent deaths, as well as black magic rituals to invoke the four princes of evil. Crowley and his devil-worshipping followers used the estate to make talismans and offered animal sacrifices. I think really some did go a little bit over the top in their descriptions. Anyway, more widely, the Herald, June of 1966, said, There is little doubt that he did have an influence on the group of people around him, which included film director Donald Camel, who shot himself in April. He had apparently shot himself in the head with a gun in his bedroom. The article continues, At times, Camel played down the connection. His father was a friend of Crowley's and... One account names Crowley as Camel's godfather, but conceded that being brought up in a household where magic was real had an effect on him. Crowley raised the demons in the lodge above the lot and discovered them to be uncontrollable. A workman employed to renovate the buildings attacked Crowley and had to be locked in the cellar. Crowley absent-mindedly, although he could perhaps contest this, scribbled some incantation on the foyer's butcher's bill, and the poor man promptly chopped through his own femoral artery and died. People began to take the old hill paths rather than risk offending the inhabitant of Bolskin, but Crowley loved the manor so much that in his 1931 will he asked for his ashes to be placed in an urn on the ledge off the cliff behind Bolskin, although this subsequently didn't happen. Well. Jimmy Page, of the band Led Zeppelin, who was said to be a big fan of Crowley, reportedly once commented, Strange things have happened in that house that had nothing to do with Crowley. The bad vibes were already there. A man was beheaded there. You can sometimes hear his head rolling down. So that sort of thing was there before Crowley got there. Of course, after Crowley, there have been suicides. People carted off to mental hospitals, he said. Indeed, after Crowley died, the owner of Bolskin in the 1960s, a major called Edward Grant, killed himself in his bedroom by shooting himself in the head with his own shotgun. It was a room that had been used for occult rituals by Crowley. Anna McLean, 78, was his housekeeper at the time, and she had had an eerie premonition of the tragedy. One week before the event, she was alone in the garden picking vegetables when she heard a single gunshot come from the house. When she went to investigate, there was no one inside the house. She put the incident to the back of her mind, but seven days later, at exactly the same time of day, her employer, the Major, shot himself in the head in his bedroom with a shotgun. She recalled, I went in and found him with most of his head blown off. The family dog was playing with a bone. The police told me later the bone was part of the Major's skull. Over the decades, visitors to the estate have long since insisted they have seen lights inside the rooms of the manor house turning off and on by themselves when the house has lain unoccupied and a chair which belonged to Crowley has often been noted to have moved position on its own. Owners in the 1990s, Ronald and Annette McGilvery, 
once said they had painted over the black magic symbols on the floor of rooms. Yet no matter what, by the time the paint had dried, the symbols had returned just as prominently. In 2015, the house suffered a mysterious, devastating fire, which rendered it uninhabitable. Then, in 2019, a mysterious fire broke out once more. Dutch millionairess Trudy Baker owned the house when it was burnt to the ground in 2015. The Daily Express reported, The secretive owner of the infamous Bolskin house has spoken for the first time about the raging fire which burned the 18th century mansion. Baker told how disappointed she was in the looters who raided it after the blaze, and warned that the curse of Bolskin House would exact retribution on them. The businesswoman also revealed a mysterious stranger had taken up residence in the only remaining room. She said, I'm very disappointed by the people who took out lots of valuables. They took everything. Because of Bolskin's reputation, I really do think people stealing things will be punished. I've had the house for a long time, and I'm not going to talk about what can happen in the house, but I'm sure the house is protecting itself. I don't know about them coming to a sticky end, but they won't be happy. The owner had no idea who the mysterious stranger was, who was evicted by the police. Locals said he had told them his name was Mordecai Mosh, and he pretended that the Dutch millionaire's owner had bought him there. Oddly, he somehow turned up in the very remote location, without any transport. In March 91, when Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin owned the house, Sunday Mail reporter Nick Hunter went there to see the custodian, who was Jimmy Page's boyhood friend, Malcolm Dent. Page had asked him to be the caretaker of the house, and Dent had lived there for over 20 years. When he had first arrived, he discovered that the couple who were supposed to have been looking after the house were actively practising black magic. He says, I found a magic circle, a pentagram and an altar. It wasn't until later that I learned the dining room had been used by Crowleyus's temple. The last straw came when it became clear the couple had carried out a black magic baptism on their child. They were told to leave. Says the reporter, Malcolm, a former hard-nosed salesman and a six-foot-three Londoner, doesn't give the impression of being afraid of anything. He wasn't, until he lived here. Dent says, One night I was sitting in the lounge when I heard something rumbling along the hallway. It was one of those things that make your hair stand up on the back of your neck. When I opened the door and looked out, the noise stopped. There was nothing. I shut the door and it started again. It was pretty hairy. That's when I decided to find out what I could about the house. The thing in the hall, I was told, it's been rolling around the house since shortly after the Battle of Culloden, and it's Lord Lovett's head. Malcolm's research showed that Lord Lovett was beheaded in the Tower of London. At that very moment it said his thoughts were of the Highlands, and somehow his head returned. But Malcolm says there's one room in particular that scares him the most. He said it's the bedroom where I had the most terrifying night of my life. I was wakened in the early hours and knew something was wrong. 
I was petrified. Whatever was outside was snuffling and banging. I thought it had to be huge. I had a knife on the bedside table. The blade wouldn't have done any good. It was small, but I was so frightened I had to have something. The noise went on, but even when it stopped, I couldn't move. I sat on the bed for hours, and even when daylight came, it took lots of courage to open the door. Whatever was there was pure evil, though he saw nothing physically there. He says, once we had a friend who spent the night there, in that room. She woke in a hell of a state, claiming she'd been attacked by some kind of devil. Doors would slam at night. You'd go into a room and carpets would be piled up. And the back door would suddenly open with a whoosh as if someone was running through it. And it wasn't the wind causing it. When our daughter was about three, we kept finding her down in the cellar. She said she went to see the sad lady who was wet with crying. She always described the lady the same way, that she wore a long dress. This was another piece of history we had to research. And it appears a lady was drowned while crossing the lock to meet her betrothed, who owned Bolskin at the time, and adds, Crowley worked on the Book of Goetia, which gives instructions on summoning spirits and devils, and it was thought to be so dangerous no one would publish it for years, he says. Well, in March 2000, the Scottish Sunday Mail reported on Bolskin too. They said, Terrified BBC calls exorcist to House of Satan. Horror after insect attack on film crew. Apparently, a film producer making a film about Crowley had had to call in an exorcist after there had been a series of horror incidents to which they could not account for and which had greatly frightened them. The film producer Gary Grant asked a priest and minister to bless his project because the film production crew were being attacked by a plague of beetles. They suffered repeated equipment failures and they experienced strangely similar nightmares about Crowley himself. The documentary they were making was to be called The Other Monster and it was to tell of how Crowley summoned 115 spirits into his house, including the devil no less. The article says, Occultists claim Crowley put a curse on anyone who dared to pry into his private life, even after death. And now, the film crew felt they had no choice but to call in an exorcist. A set of photos the crew had taken for the documentary were ruined by a strange fog. They all had a strange circular halo of fog on them. It wasn't lens flare or a fault with the camera, said Grant. I'd never seen anything like it before. Then, he says, during one late-night shoot in the graveyard, the crew were showered with glass when lights exploded, fuses burnt out and the camera stands fell over. Then, a huge swarm of insects began to attack them. He says, it's said that Crowley and another guy in Paris were sending magical spells to each other. In one spell, Crowley's dogs died and they were besieged by a strange kind of beetle that could not be identified by the Natural History Museum. Well, as we were interviewing a man about that incident, the crew were overrun by beetles. They were swarming. They made a weird shrieking noise. But even worse to them was that all five of them were experiencing these really disturbing nightmares about Crowley. 
Crowley lived there from 1899 to 1913, and he supposedly opened the portal to hell, from which came 115 spirits, the 12 kings and dukes of hell, and all manner of monsters and beasts. Then, he didn't bother to close it, it said. He probably didn't want to. But interestingly, the first credible sightings of the Loch Ness Monster started not long after Crowley departed from Bolskin Manor, which directly overlooked the Loch. Did he summon the Loch Ness Monster? Well, as we'll learn in the next podcast, the Loch Ness Monster was also exercised by a rather eccentric reverend. <laughs>